the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Are we on the air here, bud? I hope. You bet we are. Oh, right. We're, we're rolling, Doc. It's, uh, you have the airwaves. They're all yours. Do what you like with them, buddy. All right, man. I'm all over it. So we had a little bit of uh, music in my aeroplane there. Starting we did. Off the show. And I am on am860theanswer.com. We are the answer, part of Salem Broadcasting. And you can reach me worldwide on the web, 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. And just go to my website, drbillradiomd.com. Click Listen Live and you can hear me. Or you can go to the radio station website and click Listen Live, too. That's AM860, The Answer, or The Answer. I think it's The Answer, Tampa Bay, or Tampa Bay, The Answer. Just You'll find it. You'll, you'll find, find it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, do Tampa Bay, the answer, and you'll find the uh, website easily. And you'll come on in and join us. And uh, got a great show. Real excited. Uh, I have been following this Iranian plane situation where the airliner was shot down. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I've got some thoughts on that and listening to the guys at the lunch table and their reactions. It's, it's fascinating. But I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, medical called rheumatoid arthritis. I know that I've been hitting on the autoimmune diseases. Last week I talked about uh, psoriatic arthritis, psoriasis, which is a skin condition that can involve joints and and other parts of the body. And again, the autoimmune diseases are uh, where we attack our own tissue and we make antibodies to our own body tissue. Primarily with rheumatoid, it's in the joints. And we know that there's a genetic component to this, but we don't know what exactly triggers it. It seems to be a disease primarily of women. It attacks usually between the ages of 30 and 50, and it's very debilitating. And you'll see people with the uh, swan neck deformities of their fingers, where their fingers look like they're uh, crooked down in the middle joint, and then the distal joint is is bent, so it looks like it's kind of a backward configuration of how the fingers should be. And the hallmarks of this disease are the uh, hands and the feet being affected, and you will see the knuckles on both the hands and the feet become enlarged and inflamed, and you'll see the, if you turn your palms up and you, you feel the bone on the inside, that's the ulna that's in line with your baby finger. So the Deformity will form, will make the fingers point towards the uh, inside, towards the ulna, the bone, the long bone in the arm, and we call that ulnar, U-L-N-A-R, drift, D-R-I-F-T, because the joint deformity forces the fingers into that position. And so that's a pretty classic sign. You'll see that in people who have had longstanding rheumatoid arthritis without treatment. Well, how does this thing present? Well, it can present as a cold, uh, the flu. And uh, can progress from there. It can be slow onset. Uh, it's uh, also seen in people who have stiff joints in the morning, which get better over time. 
So if your joints are stiff in your hands and then they get better as you go through the day, uh, that's more likely to be a, an early sign of rheumatoid arthritis. If it's bony arthritis, it's just the opposite. When you get up, uh, it starts getting stiffer the more you use your, your joints. Uh, the inflammation is a little bit different between the two diseases. And <clears throat> so we look at all of that, and then we can do some testing for you. We can take x-rays. We can uh, take blood tests. And we can, of course, do a physical exam, which will look for stiffness, tenderness in your joints, primarily small to medium-sized joints, your hands, your knuckles, and your toes and your feet, and your wrists and ankles. You can also have inflammation in, in your neck and have uh, disc disease in the neck and deterioration of the, uh, of the disc in the neck, which lead to compression of the nerve roots coming out of the neck and going to the arms and the upper body, the chest in the back. You can have swelling of the joints, of course, deformity, like I said, decreased motion. Uh, you can have other manifestations of this disease that, that are not related to the joints. It can attack the lungs, the heart, and I've got a patient in the hospital now who was admitted with a question of congestive heart failure, uh, but she has rheumatoid arthritis. She's uh, reasonably well controlled on biologics and other medications. And I've talked about the biologics of monoclonal antibodies repeatedly. And the extra articular, that is the non-joint, the outside the joint manifestations can include rheumatoid lung disease. And you get inflammation in the lining around the little air sacs in the lung, usually at the base of the lung. And this is not uncommon to see in people with long-standing rheumatoid arthritis. Rarely it can cause problems with the heart. Uh, with the lining around the heart, it can cause fluid uh, around the lung or the heart. <clears throat> uh, it doesn't attack the kidneys as some of the other autoimmune diseases do, but uh, it's possible. And any inflammatory process, as I've said before, can uh, lead to or add to blood vessel problems like blocked arteries going to the heart or the brain. It's not uh, a, a primary effect of rheumatoid arthritis, but certainly if you have other risk factors like high blood pressure or diabetes or high cholesterol or gout, uh, you're going to have increased inflammation from all of these abnormal antibody antigen complexes that are floating around in the bloodstream. So we diagnose this medically with tests. We do what's called an erythrocyte sedimentation rate, and it's a pretty cool little test. It's been around for gosh, probably 100 years, you take, a, you take whole blood and you anticoagulate it, you mix it with something so it doesn't clot, and you know, gently rotate it back and forth so it's well mixed, and then you put it in a tall, thin column, and it's got markings on it, uh, and you wait one hour to see how far the red blood cells will fall through the plasma. And if you've ever seen anticoagulated blood, that is blood that's not clotted, sit for a while, the red cells and the white blood cells, which are a very small number of the cells, the predominant mass of, of tissue in the, in the blood are red blood cells. They will fall through the plasma, and you measure how far they fall over one hour period. Now, why do we do this? Because we know that there are proteins in the plasma that are consumed by the inflammatory process. So plasma being predominantly water, 
the proteins will decrease the thickness or the viscosity, the thickness of the plasma, and the red blood cells will fall faster. It's just like if you jump off of the diving board into the water, when you go from the board to the water through the air, you're going to be moving pretty fast. But once you hit the water, you're going to slow down quickly. So you can see that there's going to be a difference in the density or the uh, viscosity or the thickness of the medium that the red blood cells are going to go through, depending on whether or not there's more or less protein in the, in the bloodstream. So this is a fairly common old-timey test. We also have the C-reactive protein. We do a complete blood count where we look at your red blood cells, your white blood cells. We do a specific tests called rheumatoid factor and uh, anticyclic citrullinated peptide antibodies. These are two proteins that are specific, relatively specific for rheumatoid arthritis that are in the bloodstream in people who have the disease. They don't always have them, and early on they can have fairly normal blood tests. We also look for lupus-like antibodies, anti-nuclear antibodies, and lupus is another inflammatory autoimmune disease. And we know that with a lot of the autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis, psoriasis, we know that some of the anti-nuclear antibodies can be positive as well. And we can do x-rays of your hands and your wrist and your feet, your neck, your shoulders, your elbows, anywhere that you're hurting, and we can see some characteristic signs, and we can tell the difference between rheumatoid arthritis and bony arthritis in the hands and the feet just by taking an x-ray. Now, if you have really bad disease and we're contemplating doing something about your joint problems, like replacing them or having neck surgery for disc disease, uh, getting a, a fusion of your neck, then we'll do an, a magnetic resonance imaging study, MRI. And MRIs, everybody knows about MRIs. That's the big tube you go in, and everybody hates to go in there because you feel like you're and you have to lay there very still for a half an hour or so. Less commonly used are ultrasound of the joints and of the tendons. And we also have to make sure that you don't have an infection because infections can cause joint problems too. And in the joints, if you get an infection, that can be a a very de devastating thing, especially if you get it in a large joint like your knee. You can, you can lose the mobility of your knee. So we, if there's fluid in the knee or in, the, in one of the joints, we will try to put a needle in there and get that out and uh, send it for culture and count the cells in there and see what different chemicals are in there. Well, how do we treat rheumatoid arthritis? Because uh, it's a, a very debilitating disease, and you hate to see anybody with it. It's one of the few diseases that the state legislature has sanctioned for chronic narcotics for pain in because autoimmune arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, these are all very painful and uncomfortable uh, disease processes, and they're hard on people, and they really struggle with it. Well, we can use traditional therapy like heat and cold packs and splints. Uh, exercise is important, but we don't want you to do weight-bearing exercise because we don't want you to stress the joints. We want passive range of motion exercises. There's occupational therapy, which will help us deal with the, uh, with the restrictions that we have from our, our 
and our hands that don't close all the way or open all the way, how to handle things, how to cook, how to maneuver in your house, how to keep things clean. Uh, there is joint protection education and ways to teach people how to conserve energy because this is a disease that consumes a lot of our energy. And a lot of people with rheumatoid arthritis, despite good appetites, are, are not heavy. They're thin. They're very thin. And that's because it demands a lot of energy of the body uh, with the autoimmune process that's constantly going on. And we have a number of medications that are now on the market. And uh, we want you to get on what we call a disease-modifying agent. Now, a disease-modifying agent will stop the progression of the destruction of your joints, and it will stop the progression of the inflammation in your lungs. The old-timey drugs that we have on hand include the, the uh, hydrochloroquine, which is uh, hydroxychloroquine, which is Plaquenil, and this was actually developed as an anti-malarial drug. Malaria is an infection with a little plasmoid-type uh, organism, and uh, it's a tropical disease, but it's been found to be quite useful in, in rheumatoid arthritis and other autoimmune diseases. We also use some cancer uh, agents that uh, are in low dosages are, are good because they slow down the, the lymphocytes, the T-cells, which are the, the bad actors that Make the, uh, make the abnormal signals to the body to attack our own tissue. We use things like azathioprine, methotrexate, leflunamide, cyclosporine. In the old days, we used gold salts. We actually injected people with gold once a month. Uh, D-penicillamine. We even use an antibiotic called minocycline, which has some effect. And sulfazalazine, which is another antibiotic-like substance. Now, my favorite is the... Uh, are the uh, monoclonal antibodies, and we have a number of those agents out now. Now, some of these inhibit uh, a substance called tumor necrosis factor. The problem with, with these autoimmune diseases is not that we create an antigen-antibody complex. It's that other white blood cells come in and read this as an attack from outside, and so they eat up the antigen-antibody complexes, and they release inflammatory substances in the area. They release things which are basically uh, meant to kill uh, bacteria and viruses and tumor cells that don't belong there. But guess what gets in the way? <laughs> you and me. Yeah. So the medications that we use, the monoclonal antibodies, which I'm really high on, include adalumumab, I have a hard time pronouncing these, golumumab, sertolizumab, infleximab, and teracept. These are pretty cool substances, and you see these advertised on TV all the time. Now, we have non-tumor necrosis factor agents, which actually attack the antigen antibody complexes before they form, like rituximab and, and uh, upaducinib, and, and these names are too much for me, tocyclozumab, I can't pronounce them. At any rate, rituximab is, is, uh, the, is the, uh, uh, the easiest one to pronounce, and so you can remember that. Now, you say, well, my doctor never offered this to me. Well, you need to go and talk to your doctor, and you need to tell him you want this done. And if, he's, if he tells you, well, you know, your plan doesn't cover this, 
it's too expensive. You're not going to get these uh, monoclonal antibodies. You go and tell them, look, I know that you can uh, fill out a form and uh, appeal to the travel or to the health insurance company to let me get this medication because these cost one or two thousand dollars a month if you have to pay out of pocket. And uh, if he says, well, we don't do that, then <laughs> you need to find another doctor or you need to tell him, yeah, you do that. That's part of your job. Why don't the doctors want to do this? Well, we, you know, we don't get paid for this, and it takes time and effort. Uh, I have one of my office girls take care of this, and, of course, I have to pay her, and she can spend hours and hours on one patient trying to get approval for these drugs. So it's not an easy task, but your doctor does have a responsibility to do this for you, and if you're not satisfied with uh, the response you're receiving from then ask your physician to refer you to a rheumatologist, a specialist in, in the autoimmune and joint diseases. Rheumatology is a subspecialty of internal. And these guys can and gals can help you, and they probably do this all the time so they can help you get this easier. And if your insurance plan doesn't pay for it and it's through your employer, then you need to get together with your other fellow employees and tell your, your uh, company that they need to change the plan. And we also use prednisone, cortisone, corticosteroids. These are old-timey standby drugs. We like to decrease the levels of corticosteroids and prednisone and cortisone uh, that we have people on because of all the side effects over a long period of time, diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, loss of bone mass. And if you're on these medications, you have to be on extra calcium. Make sure you're on your vitamin D3. Uh, make sure that you're on <clears throat> uh, medications that preserve your bones, and your doctor will know what those are. Ask your doctor for a bone density study. That's a different kind of bone scan that tells us whether or not you're losing too much calcium from your bone. And so we use the corticosteroids, prednisone and cortisone and different agents, not only by mouth, but we can inject it into the joints to decrease the inflammation. It's not a cure but it will stop the progression of the disease. And so we like these drugs, but we want to use them sparingly. And I have seen a number of patients who get onto the biologics, the monoclonal antibodies, and with that, they're able to decrease the amount of cortisone or prednisone that they're taking on a daily basis. And some people can get off of it completely. Now, the old-time uh, treatment for symptoms or the NSAIDs like aspirin and ibuprofen, Motrin, Advil, uh, Naperson, Aleve, all these anti-inflammatory drugs that are so wonderful at helping with symptomatology, but they will not stop the progression of the disease, stop the damage that goes on to the joints, to the lungs, and to the other organs. So even though you may feel better on uh, Motrin or Advil or Naperson or uh, diclofenic sodium, one of these anti-inflammatory drugs, it's not going to stop the progression of the disease. So you need to think seriously about getting on something. And I had a Canadian guy come in last week, and he had a mini stroke in his eye, and I talked about that a little bit last week. And he has uh, uh, rheumatoid, not rheumatoid, he has uh, psoriatic arthritis, psoriasis, and this is an inflammatory process, and the other risk factors he has include high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So he's a setup for a stroke. And he said, well, my doctor talked about the 
biologics about the monoclonal antibodies, but I didn't want to go on it at that time. And I said, well, you know, dude, you've had a mini stroke. Uh, if you want to keep your brain and your eyes and your other organs, I suggest you get on it. Of course, it's too expensive down here. So uh, while he's on vacation for the winter, I've started him on uh, <clears throat> methotrexate, which, as I said before, blocks the action of some of the white blood cells that cause the severe inflammatory response. There are surgical procedures that can be done for severe joint problems. Joints can be replaced, and uh, there can be uh, removal of uh, inflamed tissue over the joints, what we call the synovium, and we can remove uh, uh, tendons that are inflamed and damaged, and we can realign the tendons. We can put in uh, tendon implants uh, to try to get some muscle function back after the tendons which are also part of the joint, become inflamed and can be damaged, ruptured, uh, non-functional, uh, shortened. So we have different things that we can do medically that will <clears throat> help with the, uh, with the joints. And we can also do things surgically that will help after the damage is done. And we can replace a number of joints. We can replace knees, hips, shoulders. We can replace knuckles. We can replace... Uh, ankles, and, although we don't do it that often. Uh, but there are a number of things that can be done. And so you have a number of options and you need to talk with your doctor if you're suffering from severe rheumatoid arthritis. And if you're not on a biologic, you need to get on one unless you have some reason that you can't. If you've had tuberculosis, you may not be able to get biologics. And so uh, that is a relative contraindication. And we want to think about that before we put you on that. And we want to test you for, uh, for the uh, diseases that could, the infectious diseases that could flare up with some of these uh, biologics like uh, tuberculosis. And we have tests we can do for that. Of course, you need a chest X-ray. You have to have a chest X-ray. <clears throat> and if you're going to go on some of these drugs, because they are big gun drugs, you need blood workup. If you're on methotrexate, you need to have your liver and enzymes and your blood count checked monthly. And some of the other drugs will also require that you have uh, liver or kidney enzyme checks frequently every three months or so. Complete blood counts because they can suppress the uh, formation of normal white and red blood cells. Oh, by the way, uh, chronic disease like rheumatoid arthritis can also suppress the uh, production of white and red blood cells. So you can become anemic. You can have abnormal uh, blood cell counts, white blood cell counts. And, and these are all things that we look for when we do the workup. And uh, part of the workup, of course, is going to be blood work, including complete blood count, chemistry panel, and the uh, specific tests that I mentioned earlier. So when you go to your doctor and you think you might have rheumatoid arthritis, you want to make sure he does a good exam, give a good history, uh, get the blood work done. If you have joint deformities, you may need x-rays. This will help with the diagnosis. Uh, if you're having symptoms in your neck or your low back uh, and you can't uh, figure out what it is and it's not getting better, you'll probably need an MRI to see if you're going to need surgery at some point. There are also uh, cortisone injections that can be placed right close to the nerve roots uh, in the spine. This has to be done under uh, x-ray imaging by a specialist. Usually those are uh, anesthesiologists who 
who specialize in pain management or uh, orthopedic doctors, rheumatologists occasionally will do that. And we do that under what we call uh, uh, fluoroscopy. Fluoroscopy is a live, real-time movie picture x-ray of your joints so we can see where, where we're putting the needle, make sure we get it in the right place, that we don't stick it into your, into your spinal cord and pith you like we all had to do back in, well, they don't do that anymore, I'm sure, but you probably remember, Ken, when we had to pith the frogs in biology. Oh, yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not my favorite day in school. No, a lot of people didn't like that at all. But, you know, if you stick something into the spinal column, a needle probably isn't going to do a whole lot of damage. But you may feel, if you get the needle in your neck, you may feel it down in your feet if <laughs> it goes into the wrong okay. place. So we, we want to do these kinds of things under fluoroscopy and be very careful about that. If you have some questions about this, I'm at 877 877- Nine six nine eight six zero zero eight seven seven nine six nine eighty six hundred. By the way, we have lost the names of some of the people that we promised mugs to. So, oh, not uh, call- we. I did it. Come on, Doc. Now I'll take the blame. Well, you can take the blame, but ultimately, <laughs> I'm the captain of the ship. Well, all right. It was my well, fault. Actually, though. it's Barbara's fault because she's the head of the station. So <laughs> Thank we'll you, dude. Thank you so much. <laughs> She hired you, and she let me on the air, so it's her fault. <laughs> no, I inadvertently did not send those to you, and we tossed them out, I'm afraid. So if you won a couple of weeks ago, give us a call. If anybody has not received a mug, please call us back at 877-969-8600, and make sure that you speak loudly because Ken's getting a little deaf, <laughs> and make sure he's got his pen and his pencil in his hand. And if you can't see if he does, make him tap the microphone with the eraser. So I'll you know it's got <laughs> make sure I read it back to you. Then you know I've got and it. Read it back to you, and so we get it right, and we'll get those mugs out to you. And uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go grab a cup of Joe in a few minutes. But I, I did want to know if anybody had any questions. If you want to give me a call, if not, uh, when we come back, I'm gonna jump on the uh, on this Iranians shooting down this airplane, this Ukrainian jetliner. That's a pretty cool thing, you know. I mean, I'm sorry for the families. Uh, what a terrible accident, and uh, it goes to show you the uh, problems in, in battle with training, discipline, fear, uh, having young people at the command of, of uh, really big weapons like this. I mean, this is, this is serious stuff, and so we have to stop and think about this, and, and the Iranians have really stepped in it. This is what I can't figure out. How does this president come out of these things smelling like a rose? I mean— Good Lord Almighty, he is just dancing circles around the Democrats. No matter how they try to paint him and paint all of these as disasters caused by him, uh, he just keeps coming out smelling like a rose. You tell me, Ken, how does he do it? What is his secret? I want some of that juice. Well, it helps that the Iranians are denying the whole thing for three days, and then (laughs) they make themselves look like... You know, idiots, to tell you the truth, because it was obvious we had we had videotapes showing the plane being blown out of the sky, and they were still denying it. Well, yeah, I mean, we've got satellites parked over Iran. I mean, for goodness sakes, we've got infrared, we've got uh, X-ray, we've got radar satellites, we've got visual satellites, we've got heat satellites. I mean, we, you know, we could we can draw a picture of everything that's going on in their airspace down to down to a sonometer. And uh, it's amazing to me that any nation would try to deny in this day and age of satellites when there's thousands and thousands of satellites up there. 
I mean, there are private companies that have hundreds of satellites up there for no other reason than to sell information to Google or uh, Amazon or whoever. And so you have to stop and wonder, uh, how smart are these people that they are denying it when we're streaming them video saying, come on, look, <laughs> here you are shooting down uh, a, a jetliner, and this jetliner is going subsonic, so it's either a stealth plane, and you wouldn't see it if it was stealth, or it's a jetliner because it's not going six, 700 miles an hour. It's going 300, 400 miles an hour. And by the way, it's moving away from you. It's not going towards you. It's moving away from Tehran Airport. And you can track it. You, you've got uh, airspace equipment. You've got air radar. You've got uh, air traffic control in the area. Don't you call? Don't you have your, your commanding officer in contact with Tehran Airport and say, hey, have you got anything going north west from the airport right now, moving at about 350 miles an hour. And so you got to wonder what's going on with these people. I, I think it was probably some overreactive junior officer, uh, scared, uh, thinking they're in the heat of battle, being attacked, and he pulled the trigger. Um, I'm sure that he will be disciplined severely, and I'm guessing that his military career is going to be over shortly. But what do I know? They may love him for doing it. Oh, I don't Something think bad, so. <laughs> Something bad wrong here. You know, he, he, this ain't right. There's a lot of Iranians on that plane, so I think he's in big trouble. Yeah, yeah and, you know, they say, well, they were Ukrainians and, and Canadians, but they were probably Iranians who had emigrated to the Ukraine or to Canada and were now Canadian citizens who went back home to visit. And we have a lot of Iranians in our community here in St. Petersburg, Florida, and Tampa, Florida, and the Bay Area, and doctors, I, I know, uh, a number of Iranian doctors and people who have immigrated. And uh, now that things are, or I guess things have calmed down somewhat. For a while, they couldn't go back in the 80s. They would have been arrested. But now I think they can go back and visit family. Uh, they just have to be very careful and keep their head low. <clears throat> but, you know, you got to wonder. You're killing your own countrymen, your own flesh and blood. And, you know, that, that's supposed to be the first law is you don't eat your own kind. Uh, cannibalism, killing your own people, that ain't right. That ain't right at all. I'm Dr. Bill. I'll be right back. And you're with me on AM860, The Answer. I can make it disappear. With SRN News, I am Michael Harrington in Washington. Iran has deployed riot police in the capital today, expecting more protests after its Revolutionary Guard admitted to accidentally shooting down a passenger plane. Riot police and plainclothes officers could be seen massing in Valley El Asir Square in Tehran, as calls circulated for protests later in the day. The plane crash early Wednesday killed 176 people. Most of them were Iranians. Libya's U.N.-supported government has accused its rivals of violating a ceasefire minutes after it was supposed to take effect. Both rival groups had announced they would abide by a ceasefire brokered by Russia and Turkey. If it were to hold the ceasefire, would be the country's first break in fighting in months. And a firefighter has been killed by a falling tree while battling the Australian wildfires. The tragedy brings the death toll to at least 27. 
This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727 727- 7384 Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Hello and welcome to Healthline by Purity Products. I am your host, Steve Summers, and I've got to tell you, we have got a fascinating show for you today. Now, if you're like most people, you may have noticed that when you hit 50, you kind of hit the wall. Curl Omega 50, it features these tiny power-packed soft gels, which are so easy to swallow. No more of those big, what they call horse pills. They're easy to swallow. Plus, they're super concentrated and ultra-purified. But the special offer, it gets even better. So listen to this. If you're one of the first 1,000 callers from this weekend's radio show, as Dr. Neil Levin said a moment ago, Purity is also going to give away a free bottle of their delicious B12 energy melts. You're going to love these B12 melts, folks. It's for an instant burst of natural energy that you can enjoy every day to give you that boost. So to get started on this double free offer, call one 800 500 1842. Again, I'm going to say it slowly so you can write this down. 1-800-500-1842. Take AM860, The Answer, with you wherever you go with our mobile app, TheAnswerTampa.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and at Radio.com. Recovery is real. We believe in you. Every day, millions of people celebrate recovery from addiction and mental illness while others begin their journey. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Intervals of clouds and sunshine throughout the day today with a high 83. Then a very warm night with a mix of clouds. Low tonight, 70. Partial sunshine for tomorrow with a temperature breaking the record of 83 set in 2005. Monday's high, 84. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, little red hot chili pepper in my aeroplane. Uh, they seem to like the phallic symbols, but uh, hey, I guess that's a lot of the rock and roll music. At any rate, we're back. Uh, we talked about rheumatoid arthritis first half of the show. I wanted to move on to the downing of this Iranian jetliner, or actually Ukrainian jetliner that was leaving Tehran Airport during the Iranians' missile attack on our base in Iraq. And uh, I got to tell you, I, I have to laugh when I sit at the lunch table and listen to some of the guys, you know, a lot of the doctors are, uh, well, they're, you know, they've never been in a fight. Uh, Nice Hindu, Christian, Jewish boys who grew up 
being told that peace and love was was a good thing, which it is. I don't have a problem with that. But to hear them talk, and uh, uh, Nick said uh, that he thought killing Suleimani was stupid because there'd just be another one behind him. And, and I said, Nick, have you ever been in a fight? No, he's never been in a fist fight. And, you know, he grew up and, uh, in a nice Hindu family, upper middle class, upper class Hindu family. And uh, he'd never been in a fist fight, never in his life. I said, Nick, I've been in fist fights. <laughs> you know, I was in a brawl, and uh, I was the lead guy on my gang, and the lead guy of their gang came at me, and they're throwing beer bottles, and I'm ducking and, and dodging, and I grabbed him and punched him two or three times and picked him up and threw him up against the glass uh, window of the burger joint. And all the other guys started backing away, and there were about 15 of them and about three or four of us. So I know what, what you do when you're in battle. You go and you take the head off the snake. So Trump did exactly the right thing, and uh, I know that there are people who say, you know, killing is wrong, and, and I think that there is uh, a lot to that, and I, I believe that Jesus is right, that you shouldn't kill, but I also know that there are times when you have to defend yourself. And Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, they all say that in order to protect your own life, you have the right to defend yourself. You say, well, this guy wasn't an eminent threat. What are you talking about? There's ongoing killing of Americans in Iraq and also of uh, Israelis and of Syrians and Lebanese and other parts of the Middle East. And there are sleeper cells that are backed by Iran in our country. And so we have every right in the world to defend ourselves and to take these people out. And it just it just, it just amazes me how the Democrats do not grasp this. I'm not sure that it's all the Democrats, but I'm sure that that uh, on the far left think that we're the bad guy and that the Iranians are the good guys and Trump's not going to tell them anything and you can't blame them and they'll, they'll go tell them, uh, you know, hey, Trump's coming for you. Get Soleimani out of there. You say, well, why are people killed who are non-combatants who are not in the middle of it? Well, there's always going to be collateral damage. You try to keep it to a minimum. And, of course, the better the technology, the better the intelligence, the better the training, the better the discipline, uh, the less collateral damage you're going to have. So what do you do? Well, first of all, you got to train your people. Let's take a look at the equipment. These, uh, these surface-to-air missiles are called SA-15s. They're Russian-made, or the TOR system. And they are uh, made specifically for short range within 15 miles of the uh, actual uh, missile, short range targets. They're made to shoot down airplanes, helicopters, cruise missiles, uh, unmanned aerial vehicles, you know, our drones. And uh, they are ballistic missiles. That is, they go faster than the speed of sound. The speed of sound is... I think 767 miles an hour, somewhere in there. So it's to say around 750 miles an hour. So these things can go 2,000, 2,500 miles an hour. So they can catch up with most things. They can't catch our latest jets, but they can catch up with an airliner. And they're on what looks like a tank. It's got on it. And there's, uh, there's uh, I think, four or six pods that have uh, 
up to four missiles in each pod. So they, they're, they're multiply armed and they shoot off two missiles at a time. That's why two missiles were shot in, into the air at this plane because they shoot two at once. Redundancy. Uh, and they have, of course, radar detection systems on them. They have Doppler detection systems on them so they can see things moving away and the speed of it. And they can guide the missile from their little tank and the missiles also have some internal guidance mechanisms and proximity uh, uh, triggers. What's a proximity trigger? Well, if you have an airplane that has uh, that's a jet that's putting out a lot of heat, a proximity trigger could be a heat trigger so that you have a little sensor inside the nose of the missile, of the anti-missile uh, missile or the anti-missile system, the TOR missile system. And when it gets close to the tailpipe, uh, the, the exhaust uh, of the jet or of the plane, it will sense that heat and it'll blow up. It'll trigger the mechanism and it'll blow it up. So these are, these are self-triggered uh, proximity uh, mechanisms that are used in these devices. And you say, well, how does this thing uh, get fired? Well, it gets fired by people sitting inside of this, this tank-like mechanism. Who's going to be sitting in there? Well, you're going to have a junior officer. Uh, you're probably not going to have uh, a, a colonel in there. If you do, then you got something really bad wrong with your military. Uh, so you probably got a lieutenant or uh, a fairly green captain. And uh, he's sitting in there, and he's in charge, and he's the guy who says, pull the trigger. And he may or may not have to get... Uh, permission from his superior officer, depending upon the level of discipline, the battle circumstances. Now with us, you got to get permission to do just about everything. And they even run it through attorneys. They have lawyers sitting at the command center to say, yeah, take the shot. You can take it. It's uh, you're, you're not going to be accused of a war crime. Of course, there's nobody doing that in the Iranian military. They don't have any lawyers telling them that's a war crime and somebody has to pay. But nevertheless, there is somebody sitting there. Now, whether or not the young officer got permission from his superiors to fire or he just pulled the trigger thinking that he was being attacked, we don't know. And the Iranians are not going to give us that information, at least not without uh, a lot of and pushing and tugging and pulling on our part in Canada and the Ukraine and the rest of the world, putting pressure on them. Well, what happens in battle? Well, you got a lot going on. But why shoot down this, this plane? I mean, let's look at it uh, from uh, just, just from a logistics point of view. This is a slow-moving plane, relatively. It's not supersonic. So it's probably not a, a, an F-22 coming in from Iraq or, uh, you know, a, a supersonic fighter jet coming in. It's, it's moving three, 400 miles an hour, and it's moving away from the airport, presumably. And you have all this radar equipment on board, and you have Doppler equipment, so you know exactly how fast it's going. And you know the direction that it's going in. And is it a threat to you? Well, I guess if you're sitting on the... Uh, on the side of the plane with your with your uh, SA-15 rockets, where the plane is coming at you, you might say, well, I think we're under attack. It looks like this plane's coming after me. Well, then you have to call somebody and say, hey, is this plane 
hostile? Is it friendly or is it a foe? And somebody has to be in control and uh, call the Tehran airport and say, you got anything going out? And do you have it on these coordinates before we shoot it down? And the kid, young officer sitting in the uh, SA-15 firing tank, he says, well, you know, this thing's going to be out of range in a minute. And the senior officer says, well, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. So you're going to have to use your best judgment. Or the junior officer says, I'm firing. The senior officer uh, stands down for whatever reason. And so you have undertrained, underdisciplined individuals in charge of these uh, highly technical and highly deadly, very deadly uh, anti-aircraft missile systems. And you shoot down a, a jetliner, and it's 177 people. We had the same thing happen back in the 1980s when the Russians shot down a Korean airliner that accidentally drifted into Russian airspace, and the Russians didn't bother to uh, ID the plane. Uh, they just took the shot in the middle of the night and blew it out of the sky. I don't know, there were two or 300 people on that plane. It was a big plane. But if you're going to play with these kinds of toys, you need to have the right uh, balances and checks and safety stops on these things so that you don't do things like this. You don't blow up uh, people that are not involved in the, uh, in the conflict. And uh, you, you don't find yourself looking like an idiot. You stepped in deep doo-doo and you got egg all over your face and the Iranians. And, and, you know, I'm sorry for the people that were killed. That's really a sad situation. But you know what? It highlights once and again why Iran should not have uh, high-tech, deadly weapons, especially nuclear weapons and ballistic missiles. They should not have these things. And you can see from the, how inaccurate their missiles were when they fired them at the military base in Iraq the same night that this plane was shot down, how ridiculous it is to think that these people should be in possession of Anything. I've said this over and over and over again, and I'll say it again and again and again. These are children playing with guns, and they need to be spanked and put to bed without supper, and they need to have their, their weapons taken away from them. And President Trump says he's not interested in a war with them, and I believe that. I think the guy's basically a pacifist, and he says that he doesn't want to go in and be a nation builder or change regimes. He says, let somebody else do that. And he says, we need to get out of the Middle East. Well, we ain't getting out of the Middle East. That's not going to happen. Even if he's getting out of the Middle East, we're not out of the Middle East. Uh, we're going to have a presence there for, as I've said, our 100-year war for another, what, we're 20 years into it now from 9-11. Or if you take it from 1990, we're, what, 30 years into it. So, We've got another 70 years that we're going to be involved in the Middle East, just as France and England were involved in the Hundred Years' War back in the 13th uh, century. I believe it was 13th or 14th century. So we're going to be there. We're going to have battles off and on. These things are going to happen. And the best way to handle this is to declaw this animal and to spank this baby and put it to bed. And I think that we are doing it, but not as aggressively as I would like. However, I understand that there are more things to consider and more relationships involved and that we have to uh, uh, consider 
how the other people in the area feel and what effect it will have on our world uh, uh, world opinion of us. We, we don't want to be thought of as bad guys or bullies. At the same time, we do want to make it clear that we're in control of this situation and that you're not going to get a nuclear weapon. And I think that this, again, underscores so, so, uh, so bright score. We need to stop the Iranians from getting a nuclear weapon. Uh, and I don't think that there's anything more uh, neon, more bright, more glaring than to see them uh, accidentally shoot down a plane with a fairly high-tech weapon like the TOR SA-15 anti-aircraft missile system. The uh, NATO's called this the gauntlet. And by the way, it's mobile. And uh, it has to stop to fire, but it can acquire its target while running. So it takes about five to 10 seconds for it to fire once it's stopped, and then it can move again. So it's tough to track these things and find out where they're going. At least it's tough if you're uh, in uh, an airplane. Now, with a missile system, that's a different story. Uh, and with satellites, that may be a different story. We may be able to target these things much easier than we're uh, letting on. And we don't want everybody to know just how technically advanced we are. So, you know, in war, there are times when you have to make some sacrifices of people and equipment and targets uh, in order to uh, hide secrets that are uh, more important to the overall strategy of winning the war. So we've got to be a little bit deceptive. And, uh, you know, there were times in World War II where we knew that we could stop an attack that would kill thousands of people. But we knew that if we did, it would give away uh, some high-tech equipment or some top-secret information that would be of much greater value in saving millions of people later. And that's war. That's war. You know, it's kind of like surgery. If you have a cancer and you don't have any good treatment for it other than surgery, well, you got to cut it out. And if that means you got to cut the limb off to stop the bone cancer from progressing to the rest of the body, well, you cut it off. And that's the end of it. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have anything better for some some diseases, and that's what we have to do. And it's the same thing in war. We still don't have the the best technology, the uh, the most advanced technology for taking out uh, completely, totally specific uh, micro millimeter targets. We're getting there. We're getting there. But we still have to rely upon some macro systems. We still have to blow things up in a big way from time to time. Our bombs are getting better. Our techniques are getting better. But this underscores that mistakes will always be made and that we need to uh, certainly lean heavily on the Iranians. And if they make more mistakes like this, it, it, it may help with the regime change. Now, Nick also said at the lunch table, he said, this will only unite the Iranian, the Iranian people. I said, what are you talking about? They are in turmoil. They, and, and I see today in the news that they're deploying uh, riot police and in Tehran today, right now, expecting riots from the uh, anti-regime faction who's saying that the Ayatollah needs to step down and they need, they need a new government. They need, they need different leadership and they need to take the teeth out of the uh, Revolutionary Guard, which is uh, the tail wagging the dog. 
as I said last week, Soleimani and these guys, they make demands and the government has to do it or, <laughs> you know, they've got a, an armed military and nobody else is armed in the country. So guess who's running the show? The military. So you got to get these people out. You got to dethrone them. You got to defang them. You got to spank them. You got to put them to bed. And that's exactly what we need to do. If not us, somebody else needs to. And if Trump thinks that it's somebody else's turn to take some responsibility in this area and to exert some influence over these uh, uh, infantile but dangerous and heavily armed regimes. Uh, oh, by the way, the religion of peace. Remember, they're, they're Muslims and the religion of peace shot down 177 people in the name of Allah, no doubt. Because if you kill somebody in battle, and in the name of Allah, then it's not you killing them, as the Quran says. It's Allah killing them. So Allah did this. It's not really our fault. We didn't, we didn't really do anything, and we're not responsible. Well, you know what? You are responsible, and you do have uh, free will, and you can make the decision to pull the trigger or not pull the trigger, and you can make the decision to cooperate and be a, a, a member of the world community, or you can choose to be... Uh, nitwits who just want to stir up trouble and advance their own agenda and increase their own empire. By the way, I don't think this is necessarily real because the Iranians, the Persians have been doing this for thousands of years. They've been trying to conquer the Middle East and take over Eastern Europe and uh, exert their influence on the entire world. Stop. Time to stop. Give it up. Come on and join us. Be good guys. We'll help you out. We'll help you rebuild your nation. The Iranian people, they don't want these guys. Most of them don't want these wackos in charge anyway. They don't want fascism. They want a democracy, and they want rock and roll, and they want ice cream, and they want all the things that we got. And most of the women, they don't want to wear, wear habibs, and they want to get an education. They want to become doctors and lawyers and engineers. God knows why anybody would want to do this, but if the women want to do it, that's fine. I'll go fishing. Ken, you know what? Probably the best thing that could happen is if the women took over completely and we <laughs> all had fishing licenses and uh, we all got a John boat. Not a bad idea. <laughs> Not a bad idea. And they can, they can yell at each other and fight it out verbally. And, and we'll uh, go fishing. We'll go fishing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And they can bitch slap each other or whatever they do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's getting close to the end of the show. What do we got? About a minute, minute and a uh, half. Minute left. 42, if you really want to know. All right. Well, I thought it was a pretty interesting show. You I know, thought so. You know, these tour systems are pretty cool. They were developed in the 1970, this SA-15, and deployed in the 1980s. They're still in use. They're still being upgraded. And they're still considered a decent little uh, anti-aircraft uh, surface-to-air missile. Not bad, huh? Not bad, man. Not yeah. Bad. I heard that the uh, Russians are selling the Iranians their junk. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they develop the new stuff. They sell them the old stuff. And, like and the all these, hy missiles. you know, they're always talking about these hypersonic missiles and everything that the Russians and the Chinese have and everything. Nobody knows if this stuff actually works in combat. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got to put this stuff in. Oh. All right, we're getting it. I think we're about done here. All right, buddy, we're out of here. Have a good <laughs> one, everybody. Love you. I'm Dr. Bill. We got, all right, Doc. See you later.